welcome to Thrive Church Online. It's so good to see you. My name is Rachel, your online host today, and I'd like to especially welcome those who are joining us for the first time. If that's you, please click New Here button, and we will send you a beautiful Thrive water bottle. If you're parents with kids, we understand that this might have been a tough week for you. Well, at least it was for my brother and sister-in-law. Anyways, that's why we're bringing Thrive Kids to your living room. It's available for download at thrivechurch.ca/online. Now, before we go into the message, I'd like to remind you that at Thrive, we want to be participants, not spectators. If you hear something that encourages you, please go ahead and interact with us in the chat room. Now, let's give it a try. If you're ready for the message today, please type "I'm ready" or give a thumbs up. You got this. All right, seems like everyone's ready for the message today. Now let's pass the time to Pastor JB. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church. It is so great to have you here for our second ever online service. Here at Thrive, we've got a saying, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, welcoming is who we are. And so with that in mind, could I ask you, if you are sitting near someone that you are watching the service with, could you give them an air high five and just say, it's so great to see you here. And if you're watching by yourself, there's a chat room where you're watching. Would you mind just writing into that chat room? Just welcome everybody else that might be watching with you today. Let's welcome one another here into the house of God as we get ready to worship God together today. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, we are in for an amazing morning together. And man, how many of us could have predicted the changes that have happened in our city, in our country, around the world that have happened in just these past seven days since we last met. But one thing you're gonna be sure about, one thing you can count on is that Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will always remain. We can count on the promises of God in this season, in this time, and that's what we're doing here this morning. And so speaking of the Word of God, if you wouldn't mind grabbing your Bibles with me right now, this is what my Bible looks like. Maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. Maybe yours is a phone or a device you download the Bible into. Either way is cool. I would ask you to do this with me right now, just for fun, just as a way to get our hearts ready for the message this morning. Would you mind just holding up your Bible like so this morning? And would you just do this with me right now? Is Let's say this out loud together in a big, loud voice as we get ready for the message this morning. Let's say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's going to come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. We're so glad to have you all here. If you are here for the first time, you're what we call our VIP. Everyone say our VIP. And we especially want to welcome you this morning to join us at the service. And in fact, if you are a first-time guest, we want to invite you to tap on that little button that you're going to find that says New Here. And if you'll tap on that button, there is a little connect card for you to fill out. And we would love to get to know you. And we even have a special gift we want to give you. It's nothing too spiritual, nothing too mystical. It's simply your very own Thrive Church water bottle that we'd love to mail to wherever you might be. Just to say we're so glad you joined us for our service here this morning. 
morning. Speaking of special guests, we are here with a very special guest who's going to be preaching the Word of God to us this morning. She's not a guest or a stranger to our stage here at Thrive. In fact, you see her often here leading worship. She's the leader of our worship team. On top of that, she's also an amazing small group leader. She and her husband, Raul, together lead a small group for young couples. And we are so blessed this morning because we have a very dear, beloved member of our Thrive family to bring the Word of God to us this morning. Last year, we started something brand new here at Thrive. We started a preaching school because we believe that our world, especially in a time like this, needs people who can communicate the Bible in a way that is relevant, clear, and that can lead to life change. And so we started a preaching school, and Marcy Mazariego, she is one of the students in our preaching school. Over the past several months, she's been training with different assignments. She's been sharing God's Word at our high school ministry. She's been sharing God's Word in our married lunch for our married couples. Today is her biggest assignment as she gets ready to bring the Word of God at both of our services here this morning. And so would you please join me in giving the warmest, most encouraging welcome to the one, the only, the beautiful, Marcy Mazariego, as she brings the Word of God to us this morning. Let's give her a big hand and let's welcome her this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor JB and everyone. I am beyond honored to be here today. And like Pastor JB said, I probably should feel super comfortable on this stage because I lead worship here. Um, But you know what? It is much easier to be up here when the PowerPoint team is telling you exactly what your next word should be. Um, But that's not the case today. Today. It's also a little weird to be talking to a room of empty chairs, but this is what it is. This is our season, so we got to do what we got to do. This year here at Thrive, our theme is overcome. Can you turn to your neighbor? Can you say overcome? Funny, when we kicked off this year, um, we did not know that we would be needing to overcome as much as we need to. If you believe that, say amen. As a church, we've been focused on becoming overcomers. Um, of the challenges that we're going to face in our lives. We're learning to adopt attitudes of overcomers, which mean that we are going to believe that with God, all things are possible and that with him, we can overcome. We've been learning practical tools that we can use when life's challenges seem too big or too impossible. Who could have predicted that we were going to be living in such a strange time like this one when now more than ever, we were going to need as much help as possible to overcome. Amen. I know I'm still having issues with uh, social isolation and social distancing, but even in this season, we can be sure that God did not create us to merely survive this, to just barely get by. Even in this season, we believe that God created us to overcome. You were not created to just survive this world. God created you to thrive. So today, the title of my message, a message that is as timely as ever, is How I Learned to Thrive. Turn to your neighbor if you have one and say, are you ready to thrive? Now, let's take a minute to talk about what thriving isn't. So thriving is not just going through the motions, the monotony of getting up, going to school, going to work, doing the things that you think you're supposed to be doing. You're just waiting for the weekend, dreaming of going on vacation, whenever that will be next, right? And you're always just getting by. Emotionally, you feel tired and you're sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. 
That's called surviving. Surviving is being numb to life, just going through the motions. But deep down inside, you know that there should be something more to life than this. We've all been there, amen? But thriving, thriving is knowing that your life matters, that you have a purpose. Thriving is growing into who God created you to be. So today, I want to share three crucial decisions that I had to make in my life that took me from just surviving to thriving. These decisions helped me live my life to the fullest potential that God intended me to live. I firmly believe that he wants to do the same for you all. And despite this current environment that we're living in, God still has a plan. He still has a purpose for our life. My hope is that you can relate to some of these struggles and you will be comforted knowing that as tough as life can get, we have a God that wants us to do more than just survive. He wants us to thrive. So I'm going to start today um, by turning to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 20 and 21. And I'm going to be a little bit old school, and I'm going to be reading from the New King James translation today. If you have it, say amen. All right. So it says, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, give them an air high five, and say, he is able. This verse is so rich and so full of power, and I'm going to spend a lot of time in it today. So if you aren't familiar with it, and even if you are familiar with it, the goal is for all of us to have these words just firmly rooted in our hearts. There's something for all of us here. This is one of my favorite verses. It was even the lock screen on my phones for on my phone for a couple of months. And it's one of those feel-good verses that's really, really well-known. You can find it printed on mugs, on posters. Uh, You can see it casually when you're scrolling through the gram and you give it a like. And it's the type of verse where we read it on a Sunday morning and we're like, yeah, God is good. God is able. Hallelujah. But what good is this verse if it only makes us feel good on Sunday mornings, but it's going to do nothing for us for the rest of the week? You see, there's going to be situations and trials that are going to come into our life that are going to challenge this idea that God is good and that God is able. Maybe you, like me, feel really overwhelmed by what's happening in this world with this pandemic and the panic, and you hear this verse and you go, God, you say that you are good, but this doesn't feel good. Or how are you able, God? How are you able to work in this mess? You're not alone in feeling like this. Maybe you're new to this whole Christianity thing. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you've never even opened a Bible before. I want you to know that we love that you're here. Church should always be a safe space for your questions. And I want you to know that we believe that God not only said that he is able to get us through any difficulties we face, God wants to give us hope. He wants to give us strength. He wants to give us courage to overcome whatever it is we're facing. He wants us or he wants to give you more than you can even ask for or imagine. So let's take our time today and let's break down this verse in Ephesians. If we look at the first part, it says, to him who is able. Well, who is him? He is God. And in case we need a reminder, God is the one who spoke and time began. He is the one who called day and night 
He is the one that lifts the moon and hangs the stars. He is the one who sees us and he knows us. He knows our past and gives us a future. He is the God that knows our sin and forgives us. It is him. He is able. Well, able to do what? Well, we read that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly over what we can ask for or imagine. Here, the writer of this letter the Apostle Paul decides that one adjective is just not enough to describe the amazing things that God can do. So he uses these two words to paint this picture of how much more God wants for us. And in this current season, I am going to hold on to this verse more than ever before. If that's you, say amen. But there's a second part to this, you see. The second part says, according to the power that works in us. If you have your Bible, can you underline or highlight this part? And say it out loud with me one more time. The power that works in us. Well, whose power? Well, we're talking about God, so it is his power at work in us. What does this mean? Let's use an example of a house remodel. I love HGTV, and now that I'm working from home, it's always on in the background. I love Jillian Harris and Joanna Gaines. They're my absolute favorites, and when they walk into a house... They're not walking in there and going, okay, hmm, let's go ahead and downgrade these carpets. Let's go ahead and downgrade these countertops. Um, I want to close this space off. I'm going to make it dark, and I'm going to make it gloomy. No, you're never going to walk into a remodeling project to make it look like a dump or make it look worse than it was before. You go in there and you have a vision and a plan for what you want that space to be. Maybe you want to open it up. Maybe you want to make it bright, make, make it inviting. But to do so, it's going to take some effort and it's going to take some work. You need to tear down some walls. Maybe tear off some wallpaper, countertops, and all the junk that just doesn't belong and doesn't fit with the vision that you have. The same goes for God when his power begins to work in our lives. A lot of us want God to bless us, but not to change us. Can I get an amen? Some of us want all of the blessings, but none of the change that go with that. It's like we want God to be our purulator or our UPS delivery man. Bring me my package. Bring me my blessing. But leave it right there at the door. Don't come in. Everything's fine. Guess what? You can and probably should self-isolate right now, but you should not self-isolate yourself from God. If we're going to believe that God has a plan for our life, a plan that, as we just read in Ephesians, is exceedingly, abundantly over what we could ask for or imagine, then we also have to believe that we have to let God's power be at work within us. These two things, they go hand in hand. God's blessing and then his, God, his life-changing work in our lives. You cannot have one without the other. If you believe that, say amen. Now, I believe that uh, the current season that we're living in is a tough one for all of us. But just like a remodeling project, God is not going to come into our lives to make things worse than they were before. There are going to be sometimes things that he needs to tear out, stuff that doesn't fit with the vision and the plan that he has for our lives things that are maybe stopping us from living the full potential of who he wants us to be, even in this moment. So to go from surviving to thriving, instead of asking God, God, how are you able to work this out? The better question to ask is this, God is able, but am I willing? He is able, but am I willing to let his power be at work within me? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you willing? 
Five years ago, I wasn't willing at all. A lot had happened in my life that left me incredibly shaken. I could write a book or a telenovela, which is a Spanish soap opera, about all the dramatic things that had happened. My faith was shaken. My heart was broken. The life that I thought that I wanted wasn't a possibility in anymore. In less than eight months, I moved my family from one country to another. I had to restart my career. I said goodbye to friends and family. I said goodbye to a ministry that I loved. And to top it all off, I was pregnant with my son who came seven weeks early in a very traumatic experience. And we spent three weeks in the NICU. It was a lot. With my son being born so early, his lungs had not fully developed. Every time he caught a cold, we had to rush him to the ER because his asthma would flare up. And every time he did that, it was just so incredibly difficult for us to watch him be poked and prodded and hospitalized. I struggled with this weight of guilt, like it was my fault my son was sick. I struggled with this weight of shame, shame that he kept getting sick and I couldn't figure out how to help him. I felt hopeless and I felt frustrated. It was like this endless cycle. I knew that God loved me. I knew that God was good, but the situation, it didn't feel good. Everything that I lived through had beat me down and I had no energy. I was tired and I was tired of carrying this load. Was I surviving? If you could call it that. Maybe that's you in this place. You don't have the energy or the emotional bandwidth to do anything in the world right now but just survive from one day to the next. Especially with the state of the world right now, there's a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. We can't turn on the TV because there's more bad news. Can't go on social media because it's more sadness, more fear, more uncertainty. But God's plan for us is not just for us to go through the motions of life and just become numb to it all. I know what you're asking yourself. Well, Marcy, why didn't you just pray about it? Well, guys, I did. I did pray about it. But my prayers, they sounded like instructions to God on how I wanted him to solve this situation and how I wanted him to bless me. And I didn't invite him into the situation. I didn't invite him into the crisis. I didn't invite him into my problem and into my life. My hope continued to be in myself and my abilities and my strength. I was failing quite badly. I wasn't able to handle it all, but he is able. Turn to your neighbor and say, he is able. I had to decide that if I was going to accept that God is able, that meant that my hope had to shift. My hope could not be placed in myself, in me, a flawed person who half the time can't get her socks to match or remember her car keys versus God who is not only perfect in all of his ways but has a plan to do exceedingly abundantly over what I could ask for or imagine. I had to decide, am I willing to place my hope in him? So if you feel like you're just surviving life right now because you're going through a tough situation, uncertainty, fear, whatever it is, ask yourself this. He is able, so am I willing to put my hope in him today? We read over and over again in the Bible that we can trust him, but you won't trust him until you actually put your trust in him. What, is, what does that even mean? Let's look at Psalm 56. We're going to read verse 3. When you have it, say amen. All right, it says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Can you underline that part? I put my trust in you. It's about believing that God is trustworthy by putting our trust in him by faith. And we're not going to be able to define what 
trustworthiness or God's trustworthiness is by God doing exactly what we tell him to do. No, he's not our purulator delivery person or our magic genie. We don't learn that God can be trusted by him always saying yes and following our instructions. We learn that God can be trusted because God is always true to who he says he is. He is able and church in this season now more than ever, we need to believe that he is. So what does placing your hope and your trust in God look like? For me, it all boiled down to my attitude. My heart had become so bitter. I, it was so hard from everything that I had lived through. I was petty. I was salty. And I was tired. My mind always ran to the worst case scenario for everything. But what does God say about worrying at a level like I did? Another verse for you guys. Let's turn to Philippians 4, 6. You guys are going to get your Bible workout in today. Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, with thanksgiving. My attitude had to go from jumping from worst case scenario to focusing on the good things of my life. What does this look like in the age of the coronavirus? Well, little things like opening my eyes in the morning and not heading to my Twitter feed to see what has happened in the world. Instead, spending two minutes just thanking God for my health, for the health of those I love, for providing, for giving me another day. Pastor JB said this in a sermon once, and it stuck with me forever. He said that a greater version of you is the grateful version of you. To thrive, you must be grateful on purpose. Gratitude is a choice. Some days, these days, it's, a, it's really hard to feel grateful, but we must choose to be. Without gratitude, we're going to feel hopeless because hope and gratitude, they're closely connected. You can't have one without the other. Gratitude builds hope. Speaking of building, going back to my HGTV house remodels that I love so much, my favorite remodeling projects are the ones that go beyond just the surface paint and some redecorating. It's the ones where they really have to go in there and they tear down the drywall and they get to the studs of the house. Once you get to those studs, you might see things that you need to address. Maybe there's structural issues. Maybe there's mold Maybe there's something you need to bring up to code, whatever it is. And my favorite, favorite episodes are the ones where the renovation goes completely wrong. Oh, I get so excited. I go, oh, plot twist. Because there's going to be items that are going to need to be corrected before the space can be improved. God had similarly brought me all the way down to the studs. And he showed me the areas that he really needed me to work on. And we cannot correct the areas that we are unwilling to confront. Amen. A lot of us are afraid to be brought down to the studs, thinking that being exposed or being vulnerable somehow means being weak. But you know who wasn't afraid to be vulnerable? You'll never guess. It was Jesus. Jesus was not afraid to be vulnerable. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be in verses 37 to 39. When you have it, say amen. And it says, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. 
Going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In this verse, we find Jesus being completely honest, not just with God, but with those that he called his friends. He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. This shows us that Jesus was being honest about what he felt. His honesty and his vulnerability are not weaknesses. This verse goes on and Jesus asks his friends to stay and watch with him, leading me to believe that he didn't want to be alone in this moment. Then he fell on his face and he prayed and he was vulnerable and honest in the presence of God, expressing his anxiety and his worry for what was to come. Now, if Jesus, a man who was perfect, a man in whom no flaw was found, was vulnerable and not afraid to express how he was really feeling, then what makes us think that it is healthy to live a life pretending we're fine? Jesus wasn't worried about what his friends would think or what God would say when he was honest about what he felt at the moment. I spent a lot of time pretending I was fine because what people thought of me was incredibly important. What will they think and what will they say was always at the forefront. And I say this out loud and I can laugh because first of all, who are they? Honestly, I could be falling apart and barely breathing, but I wasn't going to admit that because what would they think? I carefully only posted the good moments on my social media so that they could see that everything was awesome. I would never admit to anyone that I was struggling. I didn't want to be the girl that didn't have it all together out of fear of what they would think. It was all about the hashtag blessed life, but I was actually living the hashtag broken life. And this was the next decision that I had to make if I was going to go from surviving to thriving. God is able, but was I willing to be real and vulnerable with God? Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to get hashtag real with God. God cannot heal, he cannot restore, or even bless what we pretend to be, pretending we have it all together, pretending we can handle it, pretending we don't need help, pretending we're not hurt, pretending we're not scared. He can only start working in our lives when we can be real with him, when we are letting his power work within us. He brings us down to the studs and he begins to address these issues and he begins to heal and he begins to restore and he wants us to walk in the wholeness of who he's created us to be. It's only when we walk in that wholeness that we can learn to thrive. Now, I've used this word wholeness a few times, and I feel like it's important for us to stop here and understand what I mean by wholeness. Wholeness doesn't mean perfection. Wholeness does not mean that all of a sudden we're perfect people and we're walking on water and whatnot. I'm not perfect. Far, far from it. But wholeness means that although we do not have everything together, we have a full perspective of our strengths and our weaknesses, and we're not going to let ourselves be defined by either one. We're letting God work on filling those spaces of weakness so that we don't live to the lowest version of ourselves, but we live to who God wants us to be. That's where growth starts. Growth isn't about thinking that you're better than anybody else, but about acknowledging that there are some things that you need, to, you need God's help to get through and get past. Can I encourage you to give those weaknesses to God? God isn't scared of what's behind the drywall of your heart. Whatever he finds back there isn't a plot twist to him. He's not scared of our feelings. God is not scared of our doubts. We can trust him with our issues because he is able to do what? 
Ephesians, again for the win, exceedingly, abundantly over what we can ask or imagine. Jesus was not afraid to approach his father and tell him how he was feeling. Jesus was not afraid to tell his friends how he was feeling. Jesus knew that he was about to go through something incredibly difficult. Jesus was betrayed. He was rejected. He was despised, condemned, and ultimately put to death. But his story doesn't end there, and neither does yours. There is nothing in this world that Jesus doesn't know what it's like to live. Maybe you don't even know where to start being real because it's been so long since you've had an authentic conversation with someone. A heart-to-heart is too scary because what will they think? Or worse, what will God think? God wants you to have a heart-to-heart with him. Let's turn to Psalm 139, verse 23. Here the psalmist is saying, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Being real with God made me confront some really harsh truths and some areas of weakness of my life that needed to be corrected. But I can stand here and I can say that these areas of weakness do not define me anymore. Being vulnerable leads to wholeness. Being vulnerable with God and telling him how you feel, how you might be struggling, like this is too much for you, means that you're accepting and you're humbling yourself to the understanding that you are not able because you are not God, but God is still able. Amen? He is able, and we just read it and we'll read it again in Ephesians. He is able, but are you willing? Are you willing to be real with God? In order to thrive, we have to be ready to be vulnerable and get down to the studs of who we are so that he can heal our hearts. Amen? Is it easy? No. But growth, it never is. It doesn't feel good, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't mean that he is not good. What matters is what you're growing into. Give your heart to God. Be real. Be vulnerable. Be raw. And watch him do exceedingly, abundantly over what you can even imagine. I want to take a second to point out here that Jesus was vulnerable with God, but he was also vulnerable with his friends. Do you have people in your life that you can be vulnerable with? It is so important to have a community that you feel safe enough to be real with. If you don't have one yet, become part of a community, a community that can rally around you and speak faith into you when you need it most. There is nothing worse than pouring out your heart to someone and them answering you, Wow, well, that sucks. Hang in there. Okay, bye. Surround yourself with people that have been through the battles, that have been through the fire, that have walked in that valley of shadow of death and have come through the other side. Surround yourself with people that thrive. If you haven't yet, get plugged into a small group. We have many of them here at church, and once we're over the social distancing thing, they'll be working once again. But when we come together, just know that it's not an obligation or a box that we check, but it is to build these authentic relationships, to learn from different perspectives, and most of all, to encourage one another in this moment of vulnerability, because it is okay to be real. Now, I have to be real and vulnerable with you all right now. I was scheduled to speak here at Thrive weeks ago, and the message that I had prepared was good, but right now... I feel like I could use some encouragement, and I know that you can too. Like many of you, um, we are socially distancing. We are doing our part to flatten the curve. We are trying to act like everything is fine and everything is normal because we have two kids. But the truth of the matter is nothing is normal right now. 
there's no framework for what we're living. There's no guide for us to follow. I am going through the roller coaster of feelings. I, I'm stress eating. I'm watching the news too much. And I'm trying not to let my thoughts just go to the dark place of worry. A lot of my friends that I've talked to, they feel the same way. So what do we do in a moment like this? How do we more than just survive this moment, but how do we thrive through it? While our feelings matter and our feelings are important, we cannot let our feelings override our faith, especially right now. The best way that I can explain it is this. Feelings are like driving in the car with your kids. You would never put your kids in the trunk. At least I hope you don't. And we should never ignore our feelings. But we would also never let our kids drive that car. And we should never let our feelings drive our lives. I'm going to be honest with you, and sometimes I do worry about what's to come. But in moments like this, that great gospel song by Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. It's not feelings take the wheel, right? Jesus, take the wheel. My hope cannot be placed in myself. My hope cannot be placed in what the CDC says or the prime minister or whoever. He is still able. Last week at our first online sermon, we learned something really important. We learned that our greatest weapon against fear is the promises that God has left written for us. We learned that surrendering our plans to God means that we do our best with what is in our control and we trust God with what is not in our control. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And if God says that he is good, and if God says that he is able, and if God says that he will do exceedingly, abundantly over what we can ask for or imagine, then that's what he's going to do because guess what? He is true to himself. In the meantime, as a church, as families, as individuals, what, what can we do to thrive through this moment? The third decision that we have to make is we have to be intentional about drawing near to God. Pastor JB said it last week, and I'm going to remind you again this week because this is going to be the crucial decision that we make. Let's look at Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 to 14. I feel like it gives us some direction of how we should be living in this time. It says, be on your guard. Stand firm in faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. This is the verse that I have been speaking over my life and over my kids. We even have a little dance for it, but I'm not going to show you that today. But can I encourage you to memorize this verse? Be on your guard, meaning, yes, it is okay to be aware of what's happening, but we don't have to live glued to the TV. That's not healthy. Stand firm in your faith. Our faith is that God is still good and God is still able be courageous. Being courageous is not a feeling. It's a choice. Courage is not the absence of fear, but it is choosing to move forward even when we're afraid. Be strong, knowing that it's going to take a lot of strength. All of those spiritual workouts that you have been doing are going to come into play right now. Do not self-isolate or social distance yourself from God. And last, but certainly not least, do everything in love. This is a time when we're going to be called to inspire one another, even from a distance. We are called to lead in love. We have the influence to either fuel our fears or to fuel our faith. In this present crisis, let's fuel each other's faith. 
in these moments where we feel like everything is being canceled, let's remember that our relationships with one another aren't being canceled. Love is not being canceled. Hope is not being canceled. I want to end today by telling you that no trial is ever wasted by God. Romans 8.28 reminds us that he makes all things, all things work together for good for those who love him. Nothing in my life has ever been wasted and nothing in your life is ever wasted either. No situation, no illness, no struggle, no failure. No mistake is too far gone or too difficult for God to be glorified in. Whatever you may be facing today, God sees you and he knows you. He loves you too much to let you just get by and survive this. Your life is not an accident and it's not a coincidence. You have a purpose and you matter. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to live in this body, to feel our hurts, to feel our pain, and to pay for our mistakes that separated us from him. And if we believe and accept that sacrifice, God gives us more, more than we're able to think, hope, ask for, or imagine, because his power gets to work within us. So no matter what problem we're facing today, no matter what the news say tomorrow, Thank God that he's already solved our biggest problem. God has forgiven us of our sins. And if he has solved our biggest problem, how will he not help us with this? Today, there's some decisions that we have to make. The first one is decide to put your hope in him. Shift your hope from yourself and place your hope in him with gratitude because he is able. The second decision to make is decide to be real and vulnerable with God because he's not scared of your feelings. He's not scared of your doubts or your hurts. And the third and the most crucial one, decide to be intentional about drawing near to him. Be aware, stand firm, show courage, be strong, and do everything in love. Don't settle for just surviving. Even right now, in the middle of this chaos, God has a purpose for you. And these situations that we face and the trials that we have to go through and the mountains that we have to climb, all of it has its purpose. And God is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly over what we can ask for or imagine. He is able. Are you willing? Let's spend some time in worship right now. darkest night 
You are close like no other. I know you as a father. I know you as a friend. Oh, I have lived in the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after. It's running. the goodness of God. Oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. Wherever you are watching the service right now, would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Can you do it so loud that I can hear you from where I am right now? Could you do that right now? Come on. I want to thank Marcy for bringing a powerful message this morning. So proud of her. We want to thank God for her hard work today and even your chat rooms. Just to just give God some praise for that. And I wanted to say this today as we lead you in prayer. Is that today we're talking about learning to thrive, not just to survive. We learn that if we want to thrive in this time, that it's about putting our hope not in ourselves, not in our own plans, not in other people, not in what other people might say, not what the radio or the news might say, but it's putting our hope in God. And if you're here in this place and you're, you could use some hope today, can I encourage you today, be real with God today. You don't need to self-isolate, like Marcy said, in terms of God. You don't need to self-isolate in terms of running away from God. Instead, I want to encourage you to run to Him because He loves you just the way you are. I encourage you, don't social distance yourself from God because He and His love are running after you even today. And so with that in mind, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Let's come before God today with an attitude of gratitude. Like Marcy said, putting our hope in God is about putting our thanks and our praise on our hearts, on our lips, and bring it before God with an attitude of gratitude. With that in mind, would you just lift up your hand to God right now? And with an attitude of gratitude, we just start talking to God and start thanking God for every good thing, for every blessing that you've experienced even in this uncertain time in our city, around the world. Would you just come to God right now with an attitude of gratitude and give God thanks for every good thing today. Let's come to God. Let's place our hope in Him as we've come with an attitude of gratitude today and give God His, our thanks. Give God our worship. Come on, just church, just do, start doing that right now from your heart. Don't wait for someone else to start doing it. You just start doing it right now. Wherever you're seated right now, wherever you're standing, wherever you're watching the service, just start talking to God right now. He loves you. He's here. He's listening. Just start talking to God. Raise your voice. Raise your heart. Raise your life to him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. That's it. Just choose an attitude of gratitude today. Just do that right now. Give God your thanks. Give God your praise. That's it. He's listening. He's here. He loves you. Just start talking to God today. 
Don't worry about your neighbor right now. Don't worry about anything else right now. Just give God your thanks. Give God your praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. One more thing we want to do in this time of prayer is that today we've learned that God loves you with an everlasting, unconditional, unfailing, unlimited love. And he showed that when he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. You know, with this virus and COVID-19, we're all about distancing ourselves because we're afraid of, you know, getting something that maybe someone else has, maybe passing on something that we might have to others. The amazing thing about God is this. The Bible said that all of us have a condition. All of us have a virus. It's not COVID-19. It's called sin. And the Bible says that every single one of us has sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. And the amazing thing about God is that though God is holy, though God is perfect, he didn't socially distance himself from us. He didn't isolate us from, himself from us. Instead, he said, because I love you, because I want, don't want to be apart from you, I want to send my son Jesus Christ to take care of that condition. I want to send Jesus Christ to live the life that none of us could live and to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you realize today that you need forgiveness from God for something you said this morning, something you did last night, you need forgiveness from God for maybe a past of turning away from him and you want to receive his forgiveness today, I'm here to let you know that forgiveness is offered to you by God free because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And if you want to receive that forgiveness, it's as simple as responding him right now. Why don't you lift up your hand to God if you want that. If you want God's forgiveness for sin today, why don't you lift up your hand as an expression of your response and your heart to God today. Why don't you lift up your hand, let the height of your hands reflect how much you need him today. And why don't you pray this prayer with me today as we receive God's forgiveness together. You can say this today. You can say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. That you rose again to give me life. So right now, I open up my heart. Please come in. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says that if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, then you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven. And the best is yet to come. In fact, if you just raised your hand just now and you prayed that prayer, there's a button on your screen that says, raise my hand. If you could just press that button and someone on our team will get in touch with you to give you a special gift to just encourage you in your newfound relationship with God. Can we give God a big, big hand for an amazing morning together? And let's thank God for all the things he's doing in the lives of people who are watching the service today. Believe in the best is yet to come. Praise God. Well, it's amazing to have you all here for our online service. Those of you who are new here, you're a VIP. We can't wait to meet you, get to know you more. It's amazing to have you here. We're going to end it off here. We're going to turn it back to Rachel, our online host. Have a wonderful week, everybody. God bless you. We love you. And praise God, the best is yet to come. Take care, everyone. See you guys next week. Alright, to wrap things up, I've got some quick announcements for you. If this is your first time here, please click New Here button and we'd like to connect with you and send you a free water bottle. If you'd like to support the ministries at Thrive Church, please click Giving button and let's invest in God's kingdom together. If you receive Jesus into your life today, congratulations! We'd like to know, 
please comment below or send us a private message and we have a special gift just for you. For those of you with kids, don't forget to check out thrivechurch.ca online for our awesome Thrive Kids activities. For more information, next steps, and all the resources, please check out mythrive.info. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you same time next week. Bye-bye.